0: Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Advent during these weeks leading up to Christmas Day, we focus on the themes of waiting, of embracing the darkness of winter and the reality of the darkness of our lives. Advent can be a pretty heavy and serious season. And while I really do love Advent and all these themes, I certainly feel attracted to heavy and serious conversations. Uh, But One of the things that I'm getting at here is that I think that we can be guilty of adding a little too much of that weight of heaviness and darkness uh, to our already overburdened plates during Advent. I often see or hear Christians talking about fighting the good fight during Advent, uh, putting the Christ back in Christmas, as some like to put it, uh, by rejecting all the commercialization of the season that's going on. By not putting up their Christmas trees until Christmas Eve or by standing their ground against the extension of Christmas away from the candlelit sanctuary on December 24th and up and into the shopping malls and grocery stores in November, as early as November. And in many ways, certainly, these people aren't wrong. Um, I went to Lowe's back in September to get something for a bathtub that I was working on. And in order to get to the plumbing section, I had to walk around this enormous display of Christmas items. The This was September. It wasn't back-to-school items. It wasn't Halloween items, not Thanksgiving items. This was Christmas in September. Uh, but despite all of this, I love the entire month, or many months, of Christmas, you could say. Now, I realize I might get into trouble with some people, maybe my bishop, for uh, saying something like this. I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to tout the the firm line of of the 12 days of Christmas, but I really do love this just sort of explosion of Christmas. And the reason I love this explosion of Christmas into Advent and even before, all the way up to Halloween, is, is this, because for one season, whether we're aware of it or not, what we're doing, what is happening here, is I think that we're broadcasting loud out into the universe just how desperate we are for something to celebrate, just how frantic we are for some good news and some good cheer in our lives. And while we may not be delivered from our distress and precisely the way we want to be come Christmas, every year, without fail, miraculously, you might say, Christmas does come. And so a little indirectly, I would say that this explosion of Christmas does the work of Advent in a beautiful way, because it shows us how desperately in need we are. This is more than just a miraculous gift of joy to, as like a one-off, snap us out of this early winter and late pandemic malaise. I I think that what's happening here sounds a lot like what our friend John the Baptist is ultimately getting at. And our reading from the Gospel of Luke today, it it begins, uh, there's a lot of interesting things happening. And one of the things happening is that this reading begins with a long list of historical names. Uh, and positions of of power and authority both politically and religiously you have the emperor Tiberius uh, you have Pilate the governor of Judea and and others you've got others whose names I'm not going to try to pronounce if you know how to pronounce their names correctly please shoot me an email Um, you also have Annas and Caiaphas uh, who are the high priest so both these positions of power politically and also religiously, Uh, but these are all real names. These are real names in real places of power, which says to us, importantly, that all of this that we're talking about, it's real. It's not a fantasy. It's a true story of everything. This is the true story of our deepest need being met over and over again with salvation. The names, the people here, they're just uh, like us in many ways. They too are in need of something miraculously breaking in and breaking them out from the challenges of their lives. But one of the other really neat things happening here is, as I said, these are names of really important and powerful people, and yet the name that God chooses to speak to and sort of claim as his mouthpiece to proclaim the good news it's John the Baptist it's this wild man eating bees out in the wil- uh, out in the woods. God speaks to and through John the Baptist rather than these other sort of powerful famous characters and John says something really beautiful and memorable um, that can also be a little bit troubling when he quotes from Isaiah and proclaims a baptism. Of repentance for the forgiveness of sins John says the voice of one crying out in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all the flesh shall see the salvation of God in a really cool way here, John is both talking about the first and the second coming of Jesus. The first being Jesus' birth and death and resurrection, and the second being Jesus' second coming, when he'll return again at last to wipe away every tear, and to raise us all up to him, both the living and the dead, on a final day of judgment and mercy. This is uh, this second coming part. This is one of the big things that we talk about throughout Advent. But going back to John's actual words, the troubling part, I would say, here is this idea that he proclaims that we're being called to prepare the way for our Lord. If you're at all like me, you're sitting here and thinking, me? I'm supposed to prepare the way for the Lord? I'm so desperate for some good cheer in my life that I went to the grocery store and I bought a case of eggnog all the way back in October. I'm not sure that I'm the one who's up for the task of preparing the way for Jesus to return. But this is one of the things that's really important about Advent and about this passage and about us understanding what it means for us to prepare the way for our Lord. In Advent, uh, I'm at home right now. I'm not wearing my stole. Uh, if you were in church or were to come to church during Advent or remember a time that you did, you recognize that the priests wear purple and there's purple vestments and lots of parishioners like to wear purple during Advent. And that's because Advent's a penitential season uh, when we focus on repentance and we do our best to prepare ourselves, much like we do when we wear purple during lent and we prepare ourselves for easter now we prepare ourselves for christmas and prepare ourselves for the second coming of jesus there's a lot of waiting and preparation in christianity and there's a lot of talk about preparing ourselves and preparing the way for jesus but we don't do that preparation through any kind of christian calisthenics this is really important instead all that we're truly being asked to do here, well, it's to fall on our knees and to repent, to proclaim with confident humility, we might say, that we're a little or maybe a lot lost, that we need some help, and that we still need Jesus each and every day. (coughs) During Advent, what's happening here? What's, being, what's happening with this celebration of Christmas, which shows our, our desperate need for something good? What's happening here when we talk about repentance? Well, what's happening here is that we're being shown and we're coming to know through falling on our knees who we truly are. This is what the work of repentance is, if you want to call it work. That's what repentance is all about. It's about being shown how desperately we're in need of some comfort and joy, some forgiveness and deliverance from the crooked and broken pathways of our lives. This is what repentance and Advent show us. So when you hear John the Baptist talk about preparing the way of the Lord by repenting, what he's saying is that we prepare the way for our salvation to come by acknowledging that God doesn't need our help at all. But we desperately need God's help in every part of our lives. Advent brings with it the sense that something is approaching us, that something is to come We're not approaching it. This is not our journey to God, but it's God's journey to us. A great theologian once wrote, It's impossible to state too clearly that only the coming Lord himself can make ready the way for his coming. The end or the goal of all preparation of the way of Christ must lie precisely in perceiving that we ourselves Can never prepare the way ourselves. And that theologian who said that was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who spent the last 18 months of his life watching and waiting in a Nazi prison cell. And I think uh, that this identification of what Advent and repentance and what the preparation of the way of our Lord are all about, uh, being all about God and not about us at the end of the day. We could see it as some sort of uh, easy cop-out, some theological wiggling away from the challenging words of John the Baptist who says that we need to prepare the way of the Lord, who shouts in the wilderness and proclaims that the Messiah will come, will set all things straight and right, and on that final judgment day, will show all flesh the salvation of God. It would be an easy cop-out to sort of take this off of our plates. But Advent does give us this sense that something, someone is coming. We want it, we need it. Even if we might not be sure what exactly is coming for us over that hill, but we know we need something to change. We're waiting for some diagnosis. We're waiting for some acceptance letter. We're waiting for him or for her to respond to a text. We're waiting for some good news, hopefully. Or we're shuddering as we wait for some bad news. But in all of those places, there's a profound sense of helplessness. There's a profound sense that what's coming is ultimately out of our control and so preparing the way for that to come is the act of repentance and humility we know we need something to change we need some air to be let out of our life balloon before it pops but we can't necessarily be the one to do it well the good news of Advent is that we're not waiting alone Because everything that we know and can expect when it comes to the mystery of the second coming is that the second coming is only possible because of the first coming. That might sound like a simple and obvious thing to say, but it's true. Everything that we know about what is to come is shown to us by what has already happened for us on the cross. We might be waiting eagerly for some Christmas joy or any kind of joy to break into our hearts and our homes, but we aren't waiting for the grace of God because we've already received that. Jesus' love and mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit, those gifts have already been delivered. And so as we wait for our redemption drawing near, we are waiting with the grace of God We're not waiting for the grace of God to arrive. And so take a deep breath and know that the way is being prepared by your feeling of helplessness. Your recognition that something's not exactly right and I desperately need some salvation. That is the preparation of repentance. That is Advent, that is Christmas. This is our lives lived after the first coming and waiting for the second coming. But know that you are met in the confidence of your humility. You are met when you fall on your knees with grace and mercy and Christ by your side as we all wait that final day when we he will come again and wipe away every tear from our eyes when the joy of christmas will explode and expand out of december out of november out of october and into every single moment of our lives as we rest eternally with our friend and our redeemer happy advent